Six on the play clock. Now back into the shotgun. Gets the ball. Back to pass. Lobs one near sideline. Devontae Adams. One-handed grab in front of the Seahawks bench on the 46-yard line. Oh, my goodness. Devontae Adams had Mike Jackson holding his left arm, and he hauled it in with his right for 28 yards. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Just one of the 100 catches that Devontae Adams had in the 2022 season, the first season with the silver and black, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, phenomenal season in year one. What's the encore performance going to look like? Well, we'll see. And training camp gets started in less than two weeks from now. Join us on the phone lines, talk about wide receivers, and talk about offensive coordinators and a little bit more is our good friend Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. And, Sam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And I want to get into some offensive coordinators first, but before I do that, we've been talking a lot about Josh Jacobs and the running back position and the value of it right now in the NFL. And we all know that Monday, 1 p.m. Pacific, Pacific time is the deadline to get that long-term deal done. If the Raiders were to come up with a, a, a deal and maybe even the Giants come up with a deal for the for Saquon Barkley, we know it's not going to be a monster deal, but what do you think a, a, a multi-year deal would look like for a, a running back that's holding the franchise tag? Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's such a brutal position to play in today's NFL because all the data kind of says that it's just not worth paying these guys a big money second contract. And the only kinds of deals that are, are sort of defensible or make sense from a financial standpoint, from a team point of view, are, you know, the kinds of deals that Austin Eckler um, got for, for the, from the Chargers, that kind of thing. And, you know, if that's the kind of deal that they, they give out to Josh Jacobs from a team point of view, that's great. But from his point of view, obviously he thinks – and reasonably so, that he, he should be worth more money than that. But it's really tough to justify in today's NFL that kind of expenditure on a running back. And, you know, as soon as these guys get that kind of contract, teams are immediately trying to get out from under it, whether it's, you know, Christian McCaffrey being traded away, whether it's Dalvin Cook getting cut, whether it's the Cowboys getting rid of Zeke Elliott basically as soon as they could from a, a money standpoint. So, I feel sorry for running backs. You know, every yeah. one of these deals, you look at it and you say, man, that guy deserves to be paid as much as anybody in the NFL in terms of what he's doing, but it's much more difficult to justify it from a team point of view or an analytics standpoint or what's actually going to help the team win the most games. Yeah, it's funny. That's exactly the same thoughts that I echo every time I think about it because I know what Josh Jacobs brings to the table. I know what he means to the team, but I also know, obviously, what you just mentioned, the analytics and the business side of things in the NFL. And, Sam, I didn't realize this till the other day that the franchise tag, the value of the franchise tag for the running back has actually it's decreased since 2015 where every other position has increased. Did you know that? I did, yeah. I knew that. I found that out earlier in the offseason when the, the numbers came out. But it, it's, it's indicative of what we're talking about. You know, right. Teams are understanding better than ever now that these contracts are not typically justified. They're not um, – they don't sort of – the running back doesn't end up holding up his end of the bargain when you get deeper into the deals. Or maybe that's not the right way of saying it. Maybe the, the way of saying it is more even if the running back does from his point of view – teams just start to look at that number and say, we need to get rid of it. You know, and that, that I think is the Dalvin Cook um, 
situation in a nutshell. It's not that Dalvin Cook didn't hold up his end of the bargain from that contract. It's just the longer you get into it, the more teams look at those numbers and say, we can get cheaper without sacrificing quality. So I think that franchise tag number is telling you that the teams are trying to get away from doing those types of contracts now. Well, there's no doubt about it. Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, you had a list out about the top ten offensive coordinators, and uh, two of them, two out of the ten, are in the AFC West right now with Kellen Moore and, and Matt Nagy. And I want to start with Kellen Moore. He comes over from the Cowboys, as, as mentioned. And what do you think he brings to the table? Like, how much does he help Justin Herbert, you know, kind of un, unleash what, the, what we all believe the ability he has in him? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the task for him, and that's the big question this offseason is whether he can get what I think most people believe is this extra um, percentage of potential that hasn't quite been tapped into for Justin Herbert, and that's going to be Kellen Moore's gig. And with the worst-case scenario for the Chargers being Justin Herbert doesn't sort of tap into that extra percentage. He remains the same kind of player that he's been all the way along, and we probably get a better answer as to whether that sort of missing 10% is actually part of Justin Herbert's game or if it's been you know, him being held back by the offensive coaches and the coordinators that he's been had so far. Because for a guy as talented as he is, and you know, unfortunately for you guys, the Raiders game, that, that win-and-in playoff performance was maybe the best uh, example of that, yeah. the throws that he can make, the crazy plays that he's capable of making, a guy like that should not be should not have the lowest turnover worthy play rate for two straight years in the NFL. He should be more aggressive than he's been. He shouldn't have, you know, one of the lowest average depths of target in the league um, because he's capable of so much more. And the fact that he has been is a problem. It's not that that's that that it's bad to not turn over the ball, but it's if you're that good, you should be a little bit more aggressive. And the net gain from doing that, even if you turn the ball over a few more times, will be worth that extra aggression. So, you know, he's been skewing in that direction for a couple of years now, and Kellen Moore is brought over basically with the task of let's try and make this guy more aggressive and see if we can turn him into, you know, our version of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and, you know, one of the very, very best quarterbacks in the NFL as opposed to just a little step behind those guys. You know, the last time we saw the Chargers in action, they were losing a 27-0 lead to the Jaguars in the playoffs. They eventually go on to lose that game, and I was actually surprised that Brandon Staley kept his job after that. Is Kellen Moore hiring him as the OC? Is that kind of like the last lifeline for, uh, for Brandon Staley? Probably. I mean, unless the season goes very well for him, I think he's going to be in trouble almost regardless of what happens. But, you know, his failings, if you like, have been kind of across the board in terms of, look, they haven't necessarily got the most out of Justin Herbert, but the defense hasn't become the force that we thought it would either under Brandon Staley. And that's obviously his speciality. That's his side of the ball. So right now, you've got an offense that we think is underachieving and we have a defense that we think is underachieving and you kind of made a lot of people on edge year one with the sort of crazy um, hyper aggressive fourth down calls, all those kinds of things. Uh, And, and the, the sort of strange thing about that was it wasn't even a case of a guy saying, look, I'm going with the analytics. This is what the numbers say. 
I'm going to go with that, and that's our best chance of winning. He was more aggressive than the analytics would say to be. So he was going for it when the numbers, the analytics would say, kick, say punt. You know, and that's the thing that people accuse analytics of never doing. They, they always say go for it. Well, they don't, and Brandon <laughs> Staley was still going for it. So he's, he's in, in an interesting spot. He kind of put himself out there, dialed it back in year two. Um, but I think both sides of the ball now are big seasons for him to keep that job. Could Kellen Moore potentially be a, a head coach in waiting if things do not go right this year and Brandon Staley eventually is pushed out? Absolutely. I mean, in particular, you know, if Kellen Moore gets the most out of Justin Herbert, if, if that offensive side of the ball has a great year, even if the team underachieves, I think Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job somewhere next offseason. And, yes, if you're the owner of the Chargers and that's kind of the dynamic of – the guy you brought in, the offensive coordinator, just did a great job. He has a great connection with Justin Herbert. You're, the team has somehow underachieved overall, and you're thinking about a change or you're potentially staring down the barrel of watching this guy walk out of the building. You would be you know, very remiss not to think about making that switch and you know, replacing Staley with Kellen Moore. Again, we're talking with Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I wanted to ask you about number eight on the list of the offensive coordinators, and that's the Chiefs, Matt Nagy. Of course, he's filling the void that Eric Bieniemy left when he went to Washington. I always felt like the Chiefs were a tough dynamic because everything goes to Big Red, everything goes to Andy Reid. What does Matt yeah. Nagy bring to the table, and does the Chiefs offense look a little bit different this year with him uh, in the mix, or is it the same because Andy Reid's pushing all the buttons? No, you're right. They're one of those teams that are very difficult to try and parse where all the credit belongs. And, and they're not alone. There's a bunch of teams in the NFL like that because of the way the league has gone, um, these great offensive coordinators, the guys we're talking about, Kellen Moore, if they have good seasons, they're very quickly hired to be head coaches. And that means you have a bunch of teams throughout the NFL where the offensive coordinator isn't really the guy pushing the buttons, right? He's not the guy making play calls, that's the head coach. That's the Sean McVay's, the Andy Reid's of the world. Um, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, he doesn't even have an offensive coordinator. It's, it's him. Like, he does it as well. I mean, literally part of his job. So it makes it very difficult when you're looking at some of these teams and saying, you know, how much credit do you give an Eric Bieniemy or, you know, any of these offensive coordinators that work under a head coach like that because we don't really know how much they're doing. So – the Matt Nagy thing, it's very difficult to rank any of those guys. Nagy, I think we forget um, how much of a, a good offensive coordinator and a good head or a good offensive mind he was before the Chicago head coaching gig kind of ran its way off the rails. You know, he got himself that job by virtue of the, the, the performance he had in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes raves about him a lot. I don't know if you've watched that um, quarterback series on Netflix, mm -hmm. but Nagy's the guy in Mahomes' ear most of the time during the course of that season. Um, so I think generally you can see the faith they have in him from that, uh, that Chiefs offense, and we're really just kind of you know, projecting that in terms of how much of an impact he actually has relative to some of these other guys, which you know, I said there's a, a bunch of offensive coordinators where we're struggling for information. There's also, I think, 14 of the 32 offense coordinators in the league are either rookie or second-year coordinators. So wow. the amount of information we have generally about offense coordinators league-wide is pretty small, and we're projecting a lot when we're ranking more than a couple of guys. 
Well, Matt Nagy's taken over for Eric Bieniemy, who, as I mentioned, uh, is on his way to Washington. He's in Washington. He's the uh, offensive coordinator, assistant head coach there. He comes in at number six on your list. What do you think he brings to the table when it comes to that offensive attack there in Washington? Because now it is on him. It is. I think Bieniemy is is the great unknown for many of the same reasons we just talked about, right? Andy Reid is the play caller. We know that they're they're. Reed is a great offensive mind. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. How much of it is Eric Bieniemy? And obviously, Bieniemy himself has felt that he needs to prove that he can do it outside of that environment and outside of those two guys. And I think it's a, I mean, it's a great opportunity in a way. It's unfortunate for him that he had to go this route and he wasn't being given the opportunities that guys like Matt Nagy had before him. Um, but the combination of Bieniemy, if he can bring that offense with him. And Sam Howell, who you know may have been a fifth-round pick, but a year before that was being talked about as a potential number one overall draft pick, as the best quarterback in that draft class. And he didn't have a bad year following that. It's not like he then followed that up with a disaster of a performance in college, and you know that's why all the hype disappeared. The offense changed. He wasn't quite as good as a passer, but he kind of offset that by suddenly turning into Tim Tebow as a running threat. And that offense was still pretty good. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what uh, Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell can cook up together because if Howell is a viable quarterback next year, I think that's huge for Eric Bieniemy's uh, reputation and how he's thought of lead wide. Pro Football Focus's Sam Monson is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to ask about Todd Monken. He takes over as the OC there in Baltimore. I'm pretty excited about this one. I like the weapons that Baltimore has brought in. Of course, Lamar Jackson, a former MVP. How different does this offense look like under Todd Monken than it did uh, before a year ago? I mean, I think theoretically it should look very different. It should be a lot more, um, I guess, conventional, like what the rest of the league is running right now, more spread uh, formations, more 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field. The the difficult task or the, the trick for Todd Munkin is going to be how do you connect that with still maintaining Lamar Jackson as a running threat because he's going to need to be uh, still a rushing threat. He's going to need to still be uh, part of the design run game for any offense that he's in in order to maximize the kind of impact that he can have. There's no point in trying to turn him into Peyton Manning because his ability, his athleticism is what makes him truly special. So blending those two concepts together, being able to use him as part of that design run game and spreading it out more and, you know, passing the ball uh, more and more frequently is, I think, everything for Todd Munkin this year. But it's another situation where I think it should be theoretically pretty exciting to watch happen yeah i'm excited about it again i mean the guy comes over from georgia two-time national champion and and just knew that baltimore needed a little bit of refreshing when it came to that offense and so i'm excited to see what they they're going to do they brought in some weapons they flowers i think is a heck of a wide receiver and of course odell beckham jr final question for you has to do with the wide receiver position uh Devontae adams versus justin jefferson is kind of the con- conversation that's been going a- around a lot who's the best uh wide receiver in the league and i know that you did a little compare and contrast on the podcast when you break these two guys down obviously Devontae has more experience but what are your thoughts on these two wide receivers who obviously are very very good in the NFL yeah I think it's those are the two best guys I think they're really neck and neck um and 
the only thing separating them, I think, is the longevity that Devontae Adams has done it for. Really, a lot of people are saying Jefferson's already overtaken him. He's already, you know, taken the mantle as the best receiver in the NFL. I don't see a particularly good argument for that. I think when you look at all the data, you look at the PFF grading, you look at the efficiency numbers, yards per route run, all these kinds of things, Adams is still number one over the last couple of years. And Jefferson's right there with him, but Adams still has that edge. So, And he you know, just went and did it with a different quarterback. So I, I don't see a good reason to say that Jefferson is definitively better than Devontae Adams right now. I think he's ascended to the same plane, and he's right there as the best receiver in the NFL. But Devontae Adams still has his crown. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, good stuff, really good stuff. And I think that, obviously, Justin Jefferson is a hell of a talent, and there's some really good wide receivers in the NFL right now. But Devontae Adams is still that guy as he put up 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns, 100 catches uh, last season with the Raiders the first year with the team. Well, Sam, fantastic stuff as always. My man, what are you working on at Pro Football Focus that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we're just uh, you know get gearing up for the season, planning on what the the new year is going to look like, all the stuff we're going to be doing. So figuring all that out, a um, little bit of downtime, and then off we go again. Yeah, it's only a couple of weeks away, so buckle up, Sam. You guys, you guys do great work there at Pro Football Focus. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Appreciate you. Thanks. All, all right, there you go, Sam Monson. Pro Football Focus, you can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Always appreciate when he joins the show, when Brad Spielberger joins the show, uh, Trevor Sikama. There's many of them at Pro Football Focus that do fantastic work, and we definitely appreciate each and every one of them. Uh, good stuff right there with Sam talking a little OCs, talking a little wide receivers there, and, of course, started off talking running backs when we were talking about Josh Jacobs and what it looks like. And I, I didn't, again, he knew, you know, I guess a few months ago, or realized a few months ago when – uh, the the salaries came out and dropped about the the franchise tag when it came to the running backs position, but I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to it. So when it was pointed out to me the other day, it just kind of blew my mind that wow, that a franchise tag has actually gone down. The value of the franchise tag has actually gone down since uh, <laughs> since 2015. So there we are. We want to hear from you? 702-365-9200. Also six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Coming up at three thirty, we do expect to have Andrea Carter from ESPN to talk all things WNBA. But want to know what do you think about the Josh Jacobs contract situation? Do you believe a long term deal gets done before that one p.m. Pacific time deadline on Monday or not? And if you do, what do you think the contract looks like? Let us know about three eighteen is the time. This is Red Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. 3.23 is the time. Many thanks to Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus. Joined us in the last segment. Definitely appreciate his time. Earlier in hour number one, if you missed it, we talked to former Raider running back Frank Hawkins. He had a very good conversation with us, very spirited conversation, very opinionated conversation from one Frank Hawkins, former Raiders running back. Definitely appreciate all the guests we have on the show each and every day. We're anticipating having Andrea Carter from ESPN joining us in a matter of minutes, but I know the skills challenge, the three-point competition and such just got wrapped up a little while ago uh, it was going, as far as the WNBA All-Star activities are going on, so she may join us. She may not. Uh, we're just going to kind of keep it and play it by ear. But that's okay. Regardless of what happens, we'll work it out. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. We've been talking about Josh Jacobs and his contract situation. Do you believe a long-term deal will get done by Monday's 1 p.m. deadline? Let's go out to the phone lines and talk to our good friend Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? 
Hey, hey, we got some Franchise Tag Friday fan talk. Huh? That's, that's <laughs> that, hey, that, huh? that's a great way to word it, brother. That was great. <laughs> oh, man, that was, whoa, I had to take a hold of my breath on that one. <laughs> whoa, I'm coming up, man. Whoa. Hey, brother, all serious, in all seriousness, um, you know, obviously in time, it's all going to, you know, we're going to figure out what, what, how it all works out. Right. Either franchise tag, trade, make a new deal, all kinds of funny stuff. But what I'm interested in is, you know, reeling back a couple months back when Josh Jacobs made that statement that, you know, he didn't want to be Superman, and if he did had to be Superman, you know, it had to be right. And right. he would play on the franchise tag, and he would do all these different things based upon if they invested in the roster and the Raiders did the things right. So, you know, all that being said, you know, he's taking his stance into, into multiple different directions. So, obviously, you know, I'd like to find out, you know, have the Raiders, as they allege that they've had those conversations with, you know, Devontae Adams when they moved on from uh, from Carr, you know, to Jimmy G, are they having those conversations? Because it don't seem like, like uh, Jacobs is too damn happy with what they've constructed around him uh, for the team, and, you know, and, you know uh, overall. I don't know if it's the offense, because the offense looks, if he joins it, it looks pretty damn powerful on paper. Um, obviously, as we said, the whole, you know, quote, 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 you know, uh, you know, if he stays healthy, if Jimmy G stays healthy, right? But you know, wh- where where are we at? I mean, it, they, are they going to sit there? As I've seen in one other ar- article, is that they franchise him? You know, now or they give him a twenty million dollar, you know, uh, contract? That's two franchise tags, right? You know, so you know, what are we looking at? Maybe sixteen million guaranteed in a two year contract for twenty million or something like that. Would he like that? You know, I mean, there's also there's you know rumors out there that they give him an offer. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what he wants. Right. And then you hear talks also that the Raiders want him to be excited. He looks anything but excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. He don't look too excited to join it. You know, obviously, and, and like your, 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 your previous callers and, and, you know, Mr. Hawkins talking about, you know, that, you know, he brings so much more. And, mm-hmm. you know, we always hire for consultants, you know, team gurus, psychologists, you know, other coaches, you know, assistant coaches. You know, put put some of that money aside there and give that to him because you're, it's it's priceless what you bring in leadership and what you bring in camaraderie and building and building that culture of toughness and the overall Raider way. And like and like we've all been speaking about, we need to forge a new identity and making sure that we get back to the roots, change it to the new era because obviously it's not the old era, but we need to have understand of what that silver and black really truly means, and that's why we are Raider Nation. Good stuff. Raider X, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, I remember, you know, he was talking about that. I remember he was talking about that uh, Pro Bowl weekend. He was talking about it at the Super Bowl. If, uh, you know, you put together the roster and it's a, a roster that he feels like is a, is a winner and they have an opportunity to really, you know, take a deep run, uh, he wouldn't mind playing on the franchise tag. I don't think that that's such a scenario. Doesn't sound anything like he's willing to play on the franchise tag, at least not right now. You know, as he told Paloma Villacana or sources told Paloma Villacana that he would not uh, he would not report if a deal is not struck by that 1 p.m. deadline on Monday. It's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. And a lot of times when a guy has to play on a franchise tag, a lot of times that's the last year that they play on, on, for that team, even though a, a team can can uh, tag him a couple times. But. A lot of times they just come to an agreement where, okay, hey, we're going to tag you once and then be done with this. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it shakes out, but you're absolutely right, and, and all the callers are right when they say that Josh Jacobs is more than just a running back because what are you able to bring to the table? I just don't know what the value of that is when it comes to dollars and cents. 
right? That's that's the hardest part for me. When I look at a, a contract, if I'm the guy that's offering Jacobs a contract and I'm trying to be business smart about it, I'm giving him a three-year deal, but I'm also giving him, you know, $22 million, $23 million fully guaranteed, right? Because as Raider X said, you know, it's basically two franchise tags. Two franchise tags is $10 million, $10 million, that's 20 So you give him a little bit of a bump, 22 23 fully guaranteed. Boom, you get, that, you get that maybe as a signing bonus, and then, hey, whatever the case may be. I don't know, right? I just I feel like it's got to be somewhere around there. It's not going to be something outrageous, right? There's reports out there about Saquon Barkley wanting $16 million a year. That's not going to happen, right? No, there's no running back going to get $16 million a year. That's just, the, that's just the, the bare bones truth about the situation. I don't know what Josh Jacobs wants. I don't know what his agent has asked for. I don't know where, how far the Raiders and, and them are apart, uh, if they're apart at all. Like, we don't know any of those negotiations. There's plenty of rumors and reports out there. But, you know, I, I don't really buy into all the rumors and reports that are out there because they're, they're just that. They're rumors and reports. Until there's actually something that, that you know from someone who's very credible that may be on the inside that actually knows what is going on, then, you know, it just at this point it's just rumors and reports. But you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the, unfortunately because he plays that position. He told Paloma that straight up when he sat down and talked with her. You know, she, he said, uh, she said, what would you tell a, a young player coming up that wants to be in the NFL? And he said, be a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing he said. He was laughing, but you understand what he's saying. Like, just basically do anything but be a running back. So that's the scenario right there. Uh, so Raider X, thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. And again, 1 p.m. Pacific time on Monday is when we'll know for sure what's going on one way or the other if he's got a long-term deal done or if he doesn't. So uh, we don't, you know, we don't know until we know. But Raider X, again, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. You can keep those calls coming at uh, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r like Charlie in Montana did. He said, Q, if it was me, I'd pay JJ because he's the heartbeat of the team. Unfortunately, though, I don't think a long-term deal gets done. I believe he will play this season on the tag. Dave Ziegler came from a place where they traditionally don't pay a lot to the running back. Plus, they have Zeus. That's from Charlie in Montana on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And, yeah, Charlie, I mean, you know, and it's not even really where Dave Ziegler and company came from. It's just the NFL now, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just it's the bottom line. I mean, look, Dalvin Cook had a nice contract extension, got rid of him. Zeke Elliott had a huge contract extension, got rid of him. I mean, there's just – and then you see teams that are in the Super Bowl with running backs that are getting paid minimal. And so there you go. You get the, you know, I don't want to say evidence, but you get the proof right there that, hey, you don't have to have this high-dollar guy to get it done. So, you know, it's, it's not really just where they came from. It's just the business side of the NFL and how they feel about a certain position, the only position that has the, uh, you know, the, the value of the franchise tag actually go down over the course of years as opposed to what every other position in the league does which is go up. But thank you so much for that, Charlie. I do appreciate you. Uh, this is from Poncho from the 209 on the Dobybroke.com text line. This is a good one. I like it. What up, Q? Poncho here. My birthday is on Sunday. I'm not a big fan of gifts or even celebrate my birthday. But this year, only gift I'd like is an extension for Jacobs. Hoping it can happen. There you go. Hey, man, look, if that ain't taking it for the team, Take it well for the team right there because Pancho, look, I want Josh Jacobs to get his money like everybody else in Raider Nation. But, hey, on my birthday, man, I want a little something-something too. <laughs> right? I don't mind being a little greedy. I'm not saying you got to give me all the flowers. You ain't got to give me all the gifts. But I want a little something-something on my birthday, at least a shout-out. You know, maybe a, maybe a nice bone-in ribeye. 
right? Carrot cake, maybe. I don't. I'm not. I don't even really eat cakes anymore. I, I was a big carrot cake fan at one point. You know, maybe some peanut butter pretzels, maybe some almond rocas that Ari's never heard of. I don't know, something, something like that. You know, it ain't got to be all that. Just a little something, something, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I like that. He said, he said, I just want, I just want a contract extension for Josh Jacobs for my birthday. That is the true definition right there of taking one for the team. Poncho, good stuff. Uh, also, got a text from uh, the 757. Who was the last running back who got the bag and which team said that it was a good business decision? None of those players are even with the teams that paid them anymore, and one is still a free agent. The Raiders could have a Josh Jacobs on their roster now right behind him. That's from the 757, and that's the other side of things. You know, again, uh, me as a, a Josh Jacobs fan, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm, I'm a Josh Jacobs fan. I was pounding the table for them to draft Josh Jacobs when he was still at Alabama. And people were saying then, Q, you don't draft a running back in the first round. Q, you don't draft a running back in the first round. Well, it worked out. It, it worked out really well. He obviously was worth the first-round pick, but at the same time, it's a running back. So to this Texas credit for the 757, that's the way that the NFL looks at this. Right, I mean, it's not. It's not like this texture is being, you know, ugly or rude or disrespectful. He's not. That's just unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast. You know, again, all these running backs that did get the bag. I mean, hell, even Christian McCaffrey, as good as he looked with San Francisco, remember that's not the team that gave him the bag. He was given the bag by Carolina, and I was actually shocked when they did that because Matt Rule was the head coach at that point, and I'm thinking Matt Rule's team's not going to be good right now. It's going to be good maybe three or four years from now. Ain't going to be good right now. Why are you giving the, him all that money when you know that you're about to go in a, in a rebuild? But what did they do? They had a high-priced guy, very good player, obviously. You saw what he was able to do with San Francisco, but they traded him. Like Sam Watson said, they were, you know, they were looking to move off of him. Zeke Elliott, he got the bag by Dallas. They moved off of him. They gave the franchise tag to Tony Pollard. And think about this. Tony Pollard wasn't even a, a starter. He wasn't even a starter. He was a fourth-round pick. That I think Zeke has over 2,000 career carries. Tony Pollard has like 600 career carries, right? I mean, hardly carried the rock at all. He uh, he didn't break his leg, but he he really you know got injured. He ended the season on the injury, and they gave him the franchise tag. And what he do with it? He signed that thing immediately. That 10 million dollars was more money than he's made in his entire career, right? He he wants an opportunity, but I don't think like for him, I don't think a long term deal gets done. I don't think the Cowboys are even interested in a long term deal. I think they said, hey, you know what? We're going to lock you up. We'll give you $10 million for this year, and we'll see what happens. Because, I mean, again, he hasn't even proved it. I think Josh Jacobs has earned a contract extension. Dalvin Cook had a contract extension, got rid of him. I mean, just, again, it's the nature of the beast. Derrick Henry got a contract extension. What happened this offseason? There was conversations about trading him, <laughs> right? Is he on the trade block? Is he on the trade block? Derrick Henry, is he going anywhere? Now, he didn't, but there was plenty of conversation about that being a possibility. And Derrick Henry is, a, I think he's just, he's cut differently. I think he's just a different dude. But that's me. So, again, it's just the, unfortunately, man, it's, it's the nature of the beast. So that texter uh, from the 757, I didn't get his name, but uh, they're, not, they're not wrong. And, and you never know. There could be a Josh Jacobs right behind Josh Jacobs. I mean, hell, we don't know. Zamir White could end up being an absolute stud. It's not like he doesn't have winning traits. Comes from Georgia. They're pretty good there. <laughs> he's got some. He's got some. Uh, you know, some. 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 Uh, he's got a championship under his belt, right? So he's got that going for him. Thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Allen in Vegas hit us up and said, "Hey Q, I haven't heard much of this idea. Why not sign Jacobs to a heavy incentive-based deal? 
give him the ten million. But if he runs for fifteen hundred yards, another three million, fifteen touchdowns, another two million, something like that. Let him earn it. Jacobs will earn all of it. That's from Allen in Vegas, and you know, I like that idea. But I think if you're Josh Jacobs and his agent, you're saying, I already did that. I already been there, done that, right? Hell, Josh Jacobs ran in the Hall of Fame game, <laughs> right? I mean, he was he was featured in the Hall of Fame game, and I remember sitting there. That was the day that I met Nick Shook from NFL Network, NFL.com, who joins the show all the time now. That's the day I, I, I met him. I was sitting right next to him, and he looked at me and said, and he saw my Raider Nation Radio 920 shirt, and he said, is Josh Jacobs running right now? Is he on the trade block? And I said, I don't think so. He said, what the hell is he doing in the Hall of Fame game? I said, well, uh, you know. <laughs> it just kind of is what it is. So um, yeah, it, it's it's you know he uh, he he ran in the in the Hall of Fame game and he went on to have a, a really good season, led the league in rushing and well you know the rest is history. So we are where we are right now. Three thirty-seven is the time. Ari, right, what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll cover three. We're gonna push Andrea to four thirty. That's what we're going to do. She just hit me up and said that we're, we're going to push her to 4.30. So we'll talk to Andrea Carter coming up at 4.30 from ESPN about the WNBA. But we got cover three NFL news and notes coming up next, plus your calls and texts. If you want to hit us up, let us know your thoughts on Josh Jacobs and the contract situation. Will it get resolved by that 1 p.m. deadline come Monday? 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Drafting players um, and infusing your, your roster with youth and players that you drafted is really important to that process because the guys that we bring in, what they get exposed to and what they learn about the NFL and what they learn about expectations, standards, attention to detail, and those things are going to be taught by us. When you're bringing a lot of guys in, there's a point where everybody has to be on board. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders GM Dave Ziegler right there from Behind the Shield, Homegrown, Episode 2. Raiders.com, you can check it out there. YouTube, you can check it out. Saw that earlier today. They had an alert saying that it was out, and I checked it out for a few minutes. But there you go. That was Dave Ziegler really talking about the draft and the draft process. Again, Behind the Shield, Homegrown, Episode 2. Talk about Homegrown. Josh Jacobs, he's Homegrown. The Raiders drafted him in the first round in 2019. Contract extension. It's time for that. It's time to get the business done, right? The business side of things. Are they going to get it done by that 1 p.m. deadline on Monday, the 17th? This will be the last show we do before that actually happens. So by the time we take the airwaves on Monday at 2, we'll know one way or the other what has happened and what's going on. And please believe we'll have plenty of conversation about that come Monday, but right now we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and also the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. You want to tweet at us, you can at R&R 920AM, that's Raider Nation Radio 920 on Twitter, at RE Produces on Twitter, and at your boy Q254. You can hit me up that way as well. So, again, do you think a long-term deal gets done for Josh Jacobs by 1 p.m. Pacific time come Monday? We want to hear from you. In the meantime, in between time, let's go ahead and jump into Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. It's time for Q's Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the first thing I want to start off with Cover 3, and we got plenty to get to. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to get to before it's all said and done, but I want to start off with Mad Max Crosby. And I just really respect the hell out of that dude. He is a guy that's earned a contract extension. He is a guy that is, in my opinion, the face of the franchise. Uh, people were asking me, you know, give me top five players from the Raiders, and uh, he was number one on my list. 
right? I had Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs right behind him, but, but Max Crosby was number one when it came to me. So uh, I wanted you to hear this from him just so you know the mentality. If you just ever wondered about what goes on through Mad Max's mind, like what's he's thinking when he's waking up at 5 a.m. every morning, when he's the first one in the facility and the last one to leave, what motivates him, what pushes him? Well, come to find out if you hear this, it's him. If it feels like you can never win, that's when you know when you're winning. Everybody's going to have an excuse. The high, higher and higher you go, the more success you have, people are going to want to bring you back down. But that's them. That's not you. Your competition is with you. No matter what, the higher you get, the more success you have, people are going to want to bring you down to another level that you were previously. And they're going to want to get in your head and make you second guess yourself. But at the end of the day, your battle is with yourself. I don't worry about other shit. I don't worry about what these other pass rushers are doing or what other guys are doing. You know, I respect them. I watch them. I'm a fan, you know, from afar. But at the end of the day, my battles with myself because I'm the only person I have full control of. I run me. I focus on me. My battles are within. I got to wake up at five every fucking day. I probably don't want to sometimes, but I have to. I want to be the best. So this shit is year round. It doesn't stop. That's how you got to think. Your battles with yourself. When they continuously try to bring you back down, that means you're just going higher and higher. So keep going, keep working, chase your dreams, and never stop. You're only getting started. I love it. The battle, the battle he has is with himself, right? He don't want to get up at 5 every morning, but he has to. I just love the intensity in his voice. You can hear it just ramping up and ramping up and ramping up, right? And, and like he said, he's in complete control of what? Only him. And that's one of the things that I've, I've always believed is that there's only three things in life that you can ever control. Only three things. I don't care what field you're in. I don't care what you do. I don't care about anything. There's only three things in life, I believe, and I could be wrong, but this is my belief. There's three things in life that you can control as an individual. Your attitude, your effort, and your availability. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Right? Nothing else you can control as far as I'm concerned. And basically, that's what Mad Max Crosby was just saying right there. Like, you're in complete control of you and only you. Right? You could choose to have a bad attitude. You could choose not to give good effort. And you could choose not to be available. Like, eh. Yeah, I can't work today. Uh, yeah, I don't feel very good. I don't think I – oh, man, it's hot outside. All the homies are going here. I'm going to uh, – yeah, I, I'm not going to go to work today or I'm not going to do this, that, and the other. Like, that's all you can control. That's, that's it. You know, I can't control what the weather's like outside. I can't control if my boss is having a bad day. I can't control if my wife's having a bad day, right? Not that she is. I'm just saying I can't control that, right? I mean, it's just there's nothing you can do. There's only three things in life you can control. Your attitude, your effort, and your availability. Everything else doesn't matter. But hearing that from Max Crosby, I thought was awesome right there. How about Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> we want to talk about attitude and effort. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the top of the top when it comes to that, right? Well, you know the New York Jets are going to be on hard knocks. They finally uh, announced that. It was funny. Right after John McClain said that the NFL and HBO would have, you know, been pushed around and bullied by the Jets if they didn't put them on. They said, oh, well, we heard the general. We better put him on. So they decided to put him on. Well, Aaron Rodgers, he's at the American Century Championship Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe. And uh, Vern Glenn, longtime TV guy, sports, uh, sports uh, you know, director there at KPIX in the Bay, uh, on Thursday, he actually caught up to Aaron Rodgers and asked him his thoughts about being on Hard Knocks. You see that camera? You're going to see a lot of them now. Hard Knocks is coming. Your thoughts? Listen <laughs> One of the only things I like about Hard Knocks is the voice of God who narrates it. Right. Live. I hope I get to meet him. 
But look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats, and we got to deal with it. <laughs> they forced it down our throats, and we've got to deal with it. That's funny. That's funny. If anything that had to do with the Jets was forced down our throat was Aaron Rodgers' watch, right? I mean, if there's anything that had to do with the Jets, it was Aaron Rodgers' watch and when it was actually going to get done. Remember how many weeks on top of weeks on top of weeks it felt like, all right, it's going to get done sooner rather than later. It just hasn't happened yet. Is it going to happen before the draft? Is it going to happen after the draft? When is it? I mean, it was just like all the time, all the time. That's all you heard. If anything got forced down anyone's throat, that's what it was. It wasn't hard knocks was forced down the Jets' throat. It makes the most sense, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers changing locations, the Jets being a really good team. He's following in the footsteps of Brett Favre, who he replaced there in Green Bay. I mean, again, the narratives write themselves. The question is, what's going to happen? And, look, the thing, the also thing about it is, and I've heard a lot of shows, and, look, it's, it's July 14th. I, I pay attention to a lot of sports shows, especially ESPN. You know, me doing a lot of the national shows as well. I'm able to be a part of a lot of these conversations, and I hear, you know, the, my colleagues talking about it. And uh, even Freddie Coleman, who I respect the hell out of, he is a Jets fan, and he's saying that the Jets don't need hard knocks because that's going to be a distraction and, and this, that, and the other, and, and, you know, it could show a bunch of chaos, and Aaron Rodgers might not want this, and all of a sudden it's going to be out. Look. At the end of the day, and I thought this when the Raiders were going to be on Hard Knocks, I thought it was going to be a distraction. I didn't really know the dynamics of Hard Knocks that well. I'm not a Hard Knocks fan. I don't watch it. I only watched it the year the Raiders were on it because the Raiders were on it. I wanted to talk about it. And to me, it was very lackluster. I think there was one episode that I thought was good. Literally one episode I thought was good of the Hard Knocks uh, series with the Raiders. And that was the one where Gruden was all angry and uh, was talking about he wants better blank and execution. That's when I thought that, like, Chucky was back. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Chucky's back. And then, well, he wasn't. So there's that. But it's so funny because the Jets, they are the ones who have the final say on what's aired anyway. Right? I mean, so it's not like they're gonna, something's going to get out that, you don't, that they don't want you to see. You know, if they don't want you to see a guy getting cut, guess what? They'll say, no, don't put that out there. If they want you to see a guy get cut, then they'll put it out there. You know, I go back to, to the Browns. Uh, and the only reason I knew that this one is because I covered Baylor at the time when uh, when Hugh Jackson brought Corey Coleman into the office and they were and they were arguing or they were talking about Corey's effort and whatever the case. I don't really remember all the details, but I remember that there was an episode and there was a, 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 a scene where Hugh Jackson and Corey Coleman kept going back and forth and talking about Corey and, and the, how he was performing or, or how he wasn't performing. And it was a problem. The only reason we saw that is because the Browns said, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Go ahead and air that. That's fine. So the team controls the narrative anyway, so it's not really, in my opinion, that big a deal or even that big of a, like a distraction. You know, as much as these guys are on their phones, on social media, this, that, and the other, a damn camera. Hell, how many of these guys, and my son does it all the time, we'll be somewhere and all of a sudden he'll click on his Instagram and all of a sudden he's live. Hey, Dad, say what's up to everybody. I was like, who am I talking to? Oh, we're live. Oh, are we? Live what? <laughs> right? <laughs> the only time I know that I'm live is when I got a headset on, I'm doing this show. But, I mean, you know, so I don't, I don't really think that these guys are too worried about a camera that's fixated on the wall. It's not like there's going to be a big crew running right behind them and a big old camera in, in Aaron Rodgers' face. It'll be on the wall. It'll be just like it is in a media session when, when uh, you're in the locker room after a game. I, I don't – the whole, like, you know, distraction thing, 
I don't I don't think it's much of a distraction. But there you go. Aaron Rodgers says it was forced down their throats. So he's taking the the thoughts of Robert Sala, who was not a big fan of it either. Finally, for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day, I want to go ahead and wrap up with this because I think this is uh, going to be this is gonna be a funny train wreck. And, you know, everyone always watches the train wreck, right? That's what they do. That's what half the reality shows are out there. I talked about it about a week or two ago about Undisputed on Fox. I'm not an Undisputed guy. I'm not a first-take type guy. I don't like any of those shows. I just, I just don't. I feel like it's a forced argument uh, when it doesn't have to be. But – I talked about Undisputed and the fact that they couldn't find a co-host for Skip Bayless. Well, word comes out yesterday that the leading guy, uh, the leading candidate, the, you know, the guy that's leading the whole charge here is one former cornerback, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, who's obviously part of Amazon Prime Thursday's football, looks like he's the guy that may end up taking that spot. And I, I knew that somebody's going to step up and take the spot of Shannon Sharp uh, that, you know, once he left and uh, Skip Bayless is left with no co-host. Uh, so I, I'm I'm interested because Richard Sherman, I like him a lot, but I'm not interested at all because of Skip Bayless. And so someone pointed this out to me, and I want you to hear it. It's not the whole exchange, but when Richard Sherman was just wrapped up his second year in the league, this is when first take was still a thing between Stephen A. and Skip Bayless. Richard Sherman was a guest on the show, and apparently Skip had been talking noise about Richard Sherman. Shocking, right? He was talking trash about him, and Richard – came in with the mindset of he was just going to badmouth Skip all he could. So this is, again, he was a young dude in the league still. He was one of the best uh, doing it at the time. This was, uh, this was Richard Sherman and Skip Bayless, a little bit of exchange. Stephen A. Smith starts it off. How good do you really believe you are? Because you got people out there looking at you and saying he's just talking smack. How good do you believe you are? Well, I believe my numbers speak for themselves. I mean, my tape speaks for myself, for itself. My tape is my resume. That's, that's what I leave it up to. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Skip can say whatever he wants, but Skip, whenever you refer to me, whenever you speak to me, whenever you address me, address, address me as all pro Stanford graduate, because those are some accomplishments you'll never, you can aspire to, you will never accomplish. You have never accomplished anything. So, but um, those things are on my resume. Those are, those are what I've done. It's my second year in the NFL, going on my third. I mean, you tell me who's wrong. Okay, I'll accept that. I think I've accomplished more in my field than you have in yours, though you're just getting started. So, so I'm, I'm the top of my field, so I'm all pro. I'm the best, one okay. of the best 22 players in the NFL. You're, you're going to brush it off, but I don't think you're the best 22 anything in sports and in media and well, anything. I think you debatable. think more of yourself than you actually can, you know, prove. But okay. Do you I'll, think I'll you're like better than like Revis is right now? In my in my 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Okay. So let's, All right. That's let's fair. Get, let's All get right. let's get down uh, to well, that. Let's, let's stay. Cast. Let's not get personal here. I just no, want to no, know. Just not, it's do, not you, do you this think you're better than Darrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. <laughs> I'm better than you. There you go. I mean, so look, that's a train wreck waiting to happen, right? And obviously, it's not going to go like that. Uh, when he's the co-host, if he ends up taking that job, because look, there's certain marching orders when it comes to that show. Skip is the guy that makes everything go. Richard Sherman will play nice, and then he'll have beef, and then he'll play nice. And I mean, you know how these shows go. But I just thought that that was funny, and I'm glad that someone pointed that out to me. Going back to Richard Sherman when he was a you know second year guy in the NFL, and a little bit of back and forth with he had with one Skip Bayless. 3:56 is the time when we come back. We'll get to Bernard's call. Plus, we got more. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.